When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to MAF Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome for the first time. This is Mav Sports Take. Episode 20 here. We're up to 20 right before the holidays. Your weekly podcast for sports, business, and more. We're going to cover everything from multiple angles. We're going to give you the agent angle. We're going to give you the player angle. We're going to give you the evaluator angle. Anything you need to know from the sports world, we're here, especially in this time now where we've seen a lot of adversity throughout the 2020 season. And tonight we are going unmuzzled and talking about college football, pro football, and sports as a business. If you're following us live here, 8.30 Eastern time on a Tuesday night, we are live on the NFL Draft Bible Twitter, on my Twitter, at Rise and Draft. And on David's Facebook as well, because people have Facebooks apparently still. So we're live all night. We'll be taking live questions if you want to throw them in the chat. Uh, tonight, we're actually be talking with a young man that I, I wrote an article about over the summer. His name is Jason Brown. He's a quarterback from St. Francis University. He, in my opinion, uh, Richard Jr., is going to be a legitimate NFL prospect next year in the 2022 NFL draft. He is taking a different path than what we usually see. We are now looking at about 800 guys in the transfer portal as it currently sits. Jason made the decision, and we're going to get heavy into it, that he said, no, man, I'm sticking out with my guys. I'm playing in the spring, and I'm going to come back. And I mean, he had that, ne- that year of eligibility anyway, so he's coming back for 2021 season. And uh, I'm excited to have him on tonight. Before we do, what are you getting your su- special someone for the holidays? It's right around the corner. Well, if you really want to get them something they will remember and cherish, purchase them a a consulting package from Maverick Sports Consulting today. It's the perfect gift for for an aspiring athlete, coach, or agent in your life. A consulting package from Maverick Sports will be a gift that continues to relinquish revenue long after their training is complete. With so much to give, think of the loved ones this holiday season with a consulting package from Maverick Sports Consulting, and make sure to check out maverickSportsConsulting.com for further information. Very handy right there, that consulting package right now in such a uncertain world for some of these athletes, specifically for the NFL, who are trying to make that decision for themselves, David. Uh, David, I, I went through all that without even walking into the show, man. How are we doing? <laughs> I was sitting here going, am I coming on tonight or am I just window dressing? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I loved it. It was great. You were in a group. I'm doing well tonight. I appreciate you asking. Every everybody's been great. Uh, but uh, no, I, you know, I think the 800 is just insane. I can't wait to get into talking about this. I really, I think there's some bad bad um, recommendations going around, and we'll get deeper into that with our guests and even with you and me. I'm sure later in the episode tonight, um, it's kind of incredible. These numbers are staggering to me um, it, with all the the trouble I think uh, colleges and institutions are going to come up with trying to have scholarships at all. You know, I think it's going to be difficult. So we'll get into it and we'll talk more about it, but I'm excited to, uh, to be on here tonight and just be talking some ball. Absolutely. And we're going to get into some NFL topics some college football topics and some mailbag questions at the end. But without further ado, we have an, a, a wonderful guest, a guy that I've talked to a couple times in the past. I got Mr. Jason Brown, again, quarterback at St. Francis University. Last season, Jason was a stats FCS sophomore, honorable mention, All-American, second team, All-NEC, led the NEC, NEC both in passing yards with 3,084 mm-hmm. yards and passing touchdowns with 28, which was also the school record there just as a redshirt sophomore. Uh, so, Jason, welcome to you, man. Again, uh, you can't get rid of me. What's this, our third time talking or something like that, no, man? How are you, how are you doing time, tonight? I'm good. How are you? Doing great, man. Doing great. We appreciate you so much again. Just taking some time with us, Jason. I know we have a lot of questions we want to talk about. Maybe to start us off here, we're, we're going to get into the COVID stuff, what the offseason looked like, all that type of information. Before we do, I know, you know, just from my general knowledge, when we talked to, and I wrote the article about you, I know that you had a little less of a recruiting profile than maybe some of the bigger names on the FCS and FBS level. So talk to me real quick and give the people just a quick background of how you ended up at St. Francis and how you have now developed into a record-setting quarterback there. Um, My recruiting process was very long, very long. Um, I got my first offer. It was the first playoff game of my senior year, and that was the day I got my first offer. And then. It was from um, UVA Wise, and then during basketball season, um, Coach Bacor gave me a call, and that's when he offered me. And then I ended up committing to them a couple weeks, a couple weeks later, just uh, just off the fact that I wanted to play football somewhere, and I knew I had a chance to, so I I took advantage of it and ran with it. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the COVID talk, Jason. That's just a little a little breakdown, a quick little intro into Jason Brown again, record-setting quarterback there at St. Francis University. The COVID. Everything that's been affecting this offseason, Jason, I know I've, I've dealt with a lot of players that have, you know, making that jump to the NFL who have had, you know, pro, you know, pro days cancellations, limited opportunities to talk to teams. They were affected so much from your perspective now, being a guy that's returning to school, having your season pushed all the way to the spring. Talk to me about how COVID affected you specifically and the team and what challenges you all had to face this offseason. Um, individually, I mean, it really affected me because I have, I have so many receivers on the team and I got to learn, I got to learn my timing with each, with each receiver when to hit them in and out of their breaks and whatnot. And with COVID, it was hard to, it was hard to do that because we weren't, we weren't able to get together as much as we'd like to with everything being canceled or being put on hold. So it was kind of hard to get timing with everybody. And then, I mean, so that's really how it affected me in a way. That's, that's how it affected me the biggest way, really. And then as a team, I mean, we practiced in the fall and we actually had, I think we had 28 practices, but we were split into two groups. So like 
one group will go at 3.30 and the next group will go at 4.30. So we had all those practices, but they were only an hour long. So we weren't able to get as good as we thought we, that we know we can't, we weren't, as, we weren't able to get as good as we thought we could in that, in that amount of time. So, um, as everybody knows that plays football, it takes, whether you're a starter all the way down to a scout team player, it takes everybody to be able to win. And with only being able to practice an hour with only a limited amount of people, I mean, it was, it was kind of hard. So that's really how it affected us as a team. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk, I, we've talked this, and we've seen the effect of COVID on some of the the major universities across the country. Uh, for talk about your your school at St. Francis, it's a smaller school. Give people a little bit of background of the school so they know where it is and and how big of a school it is, and you know just that. But also talk about how is how is the team and the entire university handling COVID because I, you know, I imagine you guys are on a much more scaled down version of uh, finances than like in Alabama. Um, so for you guys that don't know where uh, St. Francis is, we're, we're in Loretto, Pennsylvania, which is, I'll say we're about an hour West of Penn state uh, near Altoona, near the Altoona area. So that's where we're located. And um, the school, the school really did good with it. We uh, every morning when we'd wake up, we'd have a text message that we'd have to respond to whether we were whether we were feeling sick or if we checked our temperature, if we were feeling good. So, I mean, they really stayed on top of it. And we had a bunch of different we had a bunch of different buildings on campus and also off campus that were provided for, for people that did come in contact with it. So I think that they actually did a really good job with it. I mean, we went to school the entire fall semester and we were actually in person the entire time. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, I think they did a pretty good job with that. And Jason, I, I know it's it's been sorry, David. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, so you guys were on campus going to school all fall, and you guys are having practices. What kind of um, I don't want to get too into it, but what kind of numbers in COVID were uh, did the university experience with everybody being on campus and being going to class, and then you know the team? Did you have a lot of teammates that actually ended up um, contracting COVID? Um, early on throughout like the first three, three weeks or so, we actually didn't have any cases on campus, which was, which was, I thought was very, very interesting with how fast it was spreading, but we didn't, we didn't have any uh, cases on campus, but then towards the end, it started to pick up a lot more people started to get it. And we thought that we were going to have to go home at one point, like some of the students did with how many people were, were coming in contact with it, but we ended up not having to do that. And we had a, we had a few teammates come down with it, but um, they recovered. They made full recovery. So, mm-hmm. and Jason, I wanted to talk about, um, and we talked about this a little bit when we before we started, the number of players that have entered the transfer portal. I think when I woke up the, this morning, it was seven hundred ninety six. It could barely, well, it could very well right now be over eight hundred. Now, being the player that you are, in my opinion. If you chose that route to transfer and try to play at a bigger university, take this opportunity and maybe, you know, go up a level, you know, per se, I think that you would have been a very hot commodity with the talent that you have. Was that ever on your mind? Did you ever consider that? And kind of what what, was there any talking points with family, friends? Was that ever in consideration for you? Um, It was briefly, but then I was like, I mean, I don't really need to go anywhere. I'm getting the recognition that I that I that I wanted that I know that I can get at big schools. And then there was always with transferring, there's always a there's always a thing. I mean, you're not gonna you're not guaranteed to go anywhere and start. You're still gonna have to go there and learn a completely new offense. You're gonna have to go there and beat out the guys that have been there the entire time. 
mm-hmm. for that starting job. So, I mean, there's no guarantee to play. I mean, I know the offense here, Coach Bacora has our offense looking tremendous. I mean, so I know what we have here is something special. So I didn't, I didn't really feel like I needed to leave to go anywhere bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and if you tried to leave, I'm sure EJ Jenkins, star receiver, and one of your good friends probably would have kicked your butt a little bit. Am I right? I, he probably would have kicked my butt or tried to come with me. <laughs> <laughs> so with this season being a, a non-typical like you know, process, what are some things you've been doing individually to help yourself be prepared for the season outside of those one hour practices? What are some, you know, some leadership? Maybe have you been getting the guys together doing extra throwing? Is that even allowed? Like, what are the rules? You know, I, I was kind of confused here. Um, when we were, when we were on campus, we would, we would host, I mean, we would get together every so often, a couple of days of the week and we would, um, we would get all the receivers out there and we would work on everything that we work on in practice. And we would do that a couple of times a week. And then when I came home, like I said, EJ, he lives right around the corner from me. I got Lavelle also lives here. I have like five teammates that live in Fredericksburg. So we get together and we work on our game and I have so many people here. It's crazy. I have Brandon up in Alexandria, which is an hour away. So, I mean, I have a good bit of receivers that aren't too far away from me that I can get together with and throw with in order to get ready for the spring. And Jason, for you, what what is the um, what is the atmosphere around the team right now? Just curious, because I know it, you guys have been dealt a tough hand waiting to the spring. I know it's kind of football season in general is a long grind now. And now you have to go all the way through the fall, through the winter, navigate all this just laxation, right? Like nothing's happened and you're just kind of just preparing the best you can. What has just kind of been the atmosphere through this situation and how is the team, you know, from a, from a, um, from a emotion, emotional standpoint been handling it? Um, we've been handling it pretty good. I mean, we all want to play football, and I know that. I talk to the guys all the time, and they always ask me, yo, do you know anything about our schedule yet? Like, I'm, I'm ready to play, but I mean, I, I can't tell them that answer. I don't know what we're going to play. So, uh, I mean, it's really – they're really hungry to play the game, and I love seeing that from them because I know that they want to win a championship just like I do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, when um, when you guys get together and you're doing your team activities right now, is the mood, you know, like finally it's around the corner, like can't wait to get get going? Is it is it is there like some of that kind of uh, relief and excitement starting to, you know, kind of getting ready for the season? You guys have been waiting so long. Yeah, everybody's excited. I mean, it's we go back the 17th of January and I think that, that week we go back, we start practice. So. We know as soon as we get back, we're going to have to get right into it. So, I mean, we're working every day here in order to get in order to get prepared for that. So when that so when that time does come, we're not we're not all sluggish and behind in our game. So I mean, we try to stay on top of the best we can. What are some of your individual uh, goals for this year coming up? You know, obviously, uh, Ryan and the Draft Bible crew here, we all think you have NFL, you know, possibilities for the 2022 class right so you know what what are some of your individual goals for this year knowing that you will be also a 2022 you know 2021 fall season participant too um i mean my main goal is just to improve on what i didn't do good at last year which was i think the biggest thing was my footwork it got lazy at times so i try to work on that as much as i can and then um i mean the individual goal really i just i don't want to turn the ball Turn the ball. So um, <laughs> I only threw a couple picks last year, and I'm I'm trying to get that number down to zero. And yeah, that's my that's my main individual goal for the year. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's great. You know, like kids like this, Ryan, they have an advantage because they they basically know they're they're going to get two seasons worth of football in this this spring, and then flip it short off season, come into a fall season next year, right? And yep. and play a fall season, and so they're going to have double the games as maybe some of their bigger uh, counterparts. Um, who are leaving school now only got six games in. They're not going to play next year. I mean, and he knows he can work on his, uh, what, whatever it is he needs to work on before his draft process. So I think, I mean, this is, this is an advantage. I see this as an advantage for you. I don't know if you see it the same way. No, I do. Yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with, even if I play these next two years and I say the NFL possibilities aren't where I want them to be or where I, where I think they could be. I mean, I still have that extra year because of COVID, so I can still take that extra year to improve my game even more, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we've been talking about that a lot, Jason. We're just so surprised because I feel like the number of, of declarations is relatively high for this time of year so far, and I'm just kind of curious on why more people aren't taking advantage of yeah. that extra year. So I think that's very wise to kind of keep in the back of your mind. We have Jason Brown here again, star quarterback from St. Francis University. If anybody wants to throw in a live question for Jason, uh, more than welcome because we have for a couple more minutes. I know that where David highlighted, you know, that rollover from spring season right into fall season. I'm a little, I'm not going to say wary, but I'm a little just trying to understand it in my mind because I know people are talking about, hey, individual schools might cancel spring practice so that they have some time. I'm talking about like attrition on the body because that can be very difficult. You know, a long season that you need some time off. Is there any worry on that end from you? Like, hey, I maybe we don't won't have enough rest time between spring and fall, or is that something that's not even worrying for you? Um, I don't really worry about it that much. I mean, I look at it as I'm gonna get to play football year round, so that's fun. I mean, I love the game of football, so any advantage, any opportunity that I get, I'm gonna I'm gonna play football. So I mean, I, I look at it as I mean, I get to play football year round, and that's fun. That's what I love to do. So. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, David. you know, talking with, like, guys that like, we've had on the show before, Kyle and such, you know, the strength coaches we've talked to, Ryan, and the performance coaches, I think they would say as long as the teams manage this summer right, you know, and, and maybe idle back a little bit from summer, they should have enough time to to turn back around and, and get into a, a fall season with the proper amount of rest to you know, obviously any injuries in the spring are going to be huge impacts in the fall for sure. Right, right. And I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine it in my mind. I'm more of a visual learner. So, like, I like to map things out, you know, get my calendars <laughs> in front. And, David, if you want some if you want some, some, uh, some credit that is getting thrown Jason's way in our chat room right now, we have Josh Allen-type arm in the chat. We have somebody that just put Patrick Mahomes-type arm. He is getting some lofty comparisons, to say the least, Mr. Jason Brown. <laughs> man, it's it's crazy to get compared to those guys sometimes, man. They're on Well, you know, you have set records, like Ryan said, you're a record setting uh quarterback that you got some very high comparisons. How do, if you were to compare yourself to a quarterback right now, which quarterback would you say your game most emulates? Um Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers for sure, because he's not he's not too athletic. But he's athletic enough to extend plays. He always keeps his eyes down the field and his arm is very strong. And he can make a bunch of different throws from a bunch of different body angles. So, I mean, that's that's who I think I compare my game most to right now. David, he had this one throw. And, Jason, I'll tell you, it's my favorite throw I've ever seen of you so far. You were in the pocket. 
You, you took a, st- a second step back there to try to brace yourself. Somebody comes and takes out your legs, and literally your legs are off yeah. the ground getting hit, and you snapped it about three-quarters, maybe sidearm delivery. Like, and David, yeah, I'm telling you, this, this is about like 25, 30-yard in-breaking route, like on a rope with no foundation under them. I'm like, I'm sold. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get Sacred Heart, yeah. I was going to get Sacred Heart for Sean. Yeah, I remember that that's yep. funny. I'm sold. I, I buy. Is that when you buy your ticket to the fan club right there? That's when I followed him on Twitter and hit him up. And be like, hey, man, I need to write an article about you. That was it right there. After I saw him. Like, after that's when we got in touch. Yep. Yep. It, it was uh, um, it, that, that, that was history right there after watching that one. Jason, you just brought up something good. I'm going to let you get out of here in like a minute or so. I'm just having a good time because I know you just mentioned Rashawn Henry, who was a great wide receiver for you. And he actually is, he took the opportunity to transfer, and he yeah. went down to University of Virginia or up to University of Virginia. I don't know where that pertains to yeah. uh, his hometown, but so he goes to University of Virginia. He gets you know doesn't get a ton of playing time early, but by the end of the season, man, he's making big plays. I feel like every catch he made down the stretch was a touchdown. How happy were you for for him? Because I know that was probably a tough decision for him, seeing a teammate succeed in a different environment than at St. Francis. Yeah, I mean, it was tough for him at first just because, I mean, he came from getting 90 catches last year to the first, I think, like three or four games not getting any. So, I mean, it was tough for him, and I talked to him all the time, and I just told him to be patient. And then his next four ca- his first four catches he had there were all touchdowns, and now he gets the ball a lot more, so I know he's happy up there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, we're here with Mr. Jason Brown, record-setting quarterback for St. Francis. Going to let you get out of here, Jason. If there's anything you want to leave the, the viewers with tonight, uh, I know I genuinely appreciated you coming on, the the, uh, the atmosphere that you bring, the the uh, perspective that you bring. Anything you want to leave the fans with, give them a, a let's go flashes, whatever you want, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, let's go flash, man. We're, gonna, we're hungry to get a chip this year, so that's what we're going to try to do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jason, well, I appreciate you coming on and, and giving us some time. And uh, as we get closer into the season, maybe we can have you back on. You can come back on and talk to us about the season and, and how it's going for you. For sure, for sure. Let me know. All right. Awesome. Always Thank you again, Jason. Yeah, we'll talk again me. soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so again, Mr. Jason Brown, St. Francis quarterback. David got a little little different perspective here, right? We, we talked to a young man that had had originally opted out in Danny Gudzleski, who ended up going back to Miami, Ohio. We have now a smaller school young uh, kid who has had his season completely derailed, pushed to the spring, and made a decision that a lot, not a lot of people are making, man, to stick it out and to see what is going to happen next, to stay where he's comfortable and to stay with the guys that that recruited him and the people that he knew. And he made the decision ultimately to continue to be a part of that St. Francis family. No, and it, you know, again, he's sticking it out. And again, I think he's a very smart young man. Is you know, these small school kids are are often uh, some that are vulnerable to hearing what they want to hear from agents, and then opting out and doing some things. He's actually saying, you know what, I I want to improve my ball. You know, taking care of the ball. I don't want to throw picks. I don't want to turn the ball over. I need to get my endurance up in my lower body so my lower body mechanics is consistent all the time. Like he's got a roadmap. He's got a plan, and he's going to have two seasons here back to back basically where he's going to have a chance to do it and uh and show the nfl scouts that he's made these strides um it's in you know less than nine months he's going to have two seasons played and it's going to be fantastic for him so this is a person i really see optimizing his 
optimizing and maximizing his opportunities in front of him. Whereas some of these others that we're going to get into shortly, I, I just like, uh, I mean, any of those people watching this live, just see me already shaking my head. Like I just, I just don't understand it. I don't, I don't know what they're being told, what, what, what's being told to them on any of these fronts. Well, I, I made a post, I think yesterday, or the day before where I was basically like, Fellas, and, and I, I've done a, a similar post like this before, but I literally said to all draft eligible players, a plea from me, a, a, le- a legitimate plea. Submit to the advisory board. I even tagged you in it. I said, hit up at David Turner for his service to, to give you an honest opinion, an unbiased opinion. These people, that these young men that are making this tough decision, it's very tough. It's not an easy decision they're making. The decision that needs to be made, I'm talking specifically from whether you're going to go into the NFL or, or try to go into the NFL, I should say, or if you're going to make the decision to uh, take that extra year, if you have it, and take that opportunity. And I, I'm, I'm very adamant. Talk to as many people as possible and talk to as many unbiased people as, as possible because your family is going to tell you the truth for the most part. David Turner is going to tell you the truth. Absolutely. The advisory board is going to tell you the truth. Absolutely. Agents and all due respect to some agents, because there's some good ones. We had a good one on last week and Joshua Grady from Grady sports uh, sports agency. He's a good one, but there are some agents and you know, this from, from a long time of experience, right? 18 years in the biz. I'm sure you've seen a lot of shady things happen with agents. Some agents it's about, well, I, I should say probably a large portion of agents. It's about the bottom line. It's not as much about the person. Well, and again, the good ones, they always make it about the person and therefore that's why they, they've stuck around. They got good reputations and they're in they're in it for the long haul because they're in it for the right reasons like, you know, Joshua and others that we've had on. So, you know, for me, that those are the ones that obviously you want to find and, and promote and, and boost up as much as you can. I don't know. I mean, uh Oh, let's we'll get into that. We'll get into all that stuff when we get down there. But let's uh, stay on script a little bit before we get off track. And let's stay and, on script because David Turner yeah. goes off track a lot. So we're gonna stay on script <laughs> here. We're gonna we're gonna go into some NFL news, some college football news. We're gonna dissect a few things. I think we would be remiss if we didn't start this though. The passing of Kevin Green, all-time great pass rusher. You know, played a lot of outside linebacker in three four. He is the third all-time leading sack artist with 160 career sacks. Passed away yesterday at the age of 58 years old. Great Pittsburgh Steelers, Los Angeles Rams, played with the Carolina Panthers and the San Francisco 49ers. Also dabbled in pro pro wrestling side and was also very, very instrumental as a coach for Clay Matthews in his young career there in Green Bay the first couple years. Talking about Mr. Kevin Green. First and foremost, I want to say, as a young man, okay, and I, I am a I am a Rams fan. Just putting that out there real quick, okay. I'm not a Rams fan pertaining to, hey, like I lived in St. Louis at that point. I lived in L.A. Like anything like that. I am just a Rams fan from my mom, and that just kind of got passed down to me. So I'm going to say this: he is one of the guys that I never saw live. But I always looked up to him, Jack Youngblood, who played with the Los Angeles Rams, number 85. Those were kind of the guys because I played that outside linebacker in an, in an odd front a ton. I was that that was my mold when I was in high school. So that was one of the guys that I looked up to, the, those guys. And I would like to say, you know, just putting that out there, man, my 
deepest sympathies to the Green family and remembering one of the greatest. And it was always such a shame that he had to wait so long. I Thank God he got inducted into the Hall of Fame while he was still alive. But he was one of those guys that just for whatever reason kept getting passed up for years and years and years. But eventually he finally got in and he is one of the greatest pass rushers to ever play football. Yes, he is. And, you know, I was fortunate to see him play live and to be able to watch his game develop from, you know, when he was at the Rams all the way to when he played for the Panthers. And then I got to witness him coaching and his passion for the game didn't subside at all. You know, obviously he carried that that charismatic, passionate ploy for the game and that, that almost little boy enthusiasm that he carried with him every day, every day to to work so you know kevin is is obviously one of the ones that i grew up watching um and then later on got experience to meet him and talk to him a little bit and uh it was a great great experience he was a man with a great passion and character uh for football and uh, you know, just an incredible person to be around infectious personality type individual i guess is, a, is another way to summarize summarize him a little bit but um you know we he, we'll be missed it is way too young I, I think he was only 58 years old and i mean for as a man who's 45 years old I mean, that's so close to my age. It's just like, wow. And, you know, it's the guy who was at the premier top, kept himself. In, I mean, dude, if you would have saw him walking down the street last week, you would have thought he could still play. I mean, he's right. just, he's that kind of guy. So, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of sympathy going out to obviously his, his relatives and those teammates and people who knew him and uh, are memorializing, memorializing him. Uh, here at Mass Sports Take, we just want to make sure we say and do our just due for one of the great NFL players of uh, of this era. Yeah, and he was he was so much fun too, man. Because I mean this in the nicest way possible. My guy was a little crazy, and it was a good type of crazy, man. He played with every ounce of emotion on his sleeve. You know, like you could see those highlights and just like shaking around, talking smack. Like he loved every single lo- uh, every single part of the game. And I think that's kind of just how I, why I gravitated towards him so much outside of, you know, just being a Ram supporter. So big shout out to um, to Kevin Green's family out there. We'll, we'll be, you know, the prayers are definitely sent for, mem- you know, remembering one of the best pass rushers and one of the pioneers for the 3-4 defense, that outside linebacker rush position that we've broken down. Friday night scout school in general, David's been breaking down for a long time. So uh, big shout out to his family in this trying time. Want to talk about in a different bit of news, David. San Francisco 49ers have had kind of a rough season with consistency. Obviously, a whole lot of injuries they've been dealing with, Jimmy Garoppolo being one of them. Well, they just signed a young man off of the Bucks practice squad. Maybe you've heard of him, Josh Rosen, former UCLA quarterback, former, what was he, top 12 pick somewhere around there. He, he was a high pick top 10 pick. He was somewhere in that, in that atmosphere um, <laughs> selected, of course, um, you know, and he struggled a bit early on in his career and he landed on Tampa Bay practice squad and everybody was, was clamoring for that pick uh, because, you know, the, the Arizona Cardinals, it didn't work out. You know, they had the opportunity to take Kyler Murray. They decided Kyler Murray was a better fit for them with Cliff Kingsbury coming in. So they're like, you know, Josh, it's, it's just not the right situation. So they traded him to Miami Dolphins for a second-round pick. 
didn't really play too much or too well in his short time with Miami. And then he lands, of course, on the Bucks practice squad this year. Now the 49ers, David, I have to think, and let's talk this out a little bit. It's a pretty damn good fit in San Francisco for Josh Rose. Well, what's interesting to me, there's about three things that really, when I saw this news, pierced my ears up. Okay. First, that is San Francisco. And you're right. He fits that system really well. And I think what he does with his balance pass sets and his play action pass uh, motion and, and all that really fits extremely well with what San Francisco asked their quarterback to do. So that really was interesting to me because there's been a lot of ramblings and rumblings that, you know, Jimmy G might not be the guy that they really want to have up there. And he's not the guy for the future because he can't stay healthy. And, you know, lots of little things are, you know, mumbling and grumbling out of San Francisco. So for, and then to see this move where basically San Francisco, we'll get into it a little bit, but basically San Francisco is out of the playoff hunt, right? Like they're not going to the playoffs, but Tampa Bay is in the playoff hunt. And so, therefore, for for Josh, now understand this, the group that drafted Josh and brought him to Arizona was the Byron Leftwich, you know, group. So they're down in, in, in Tampa Bay now. So they, that's why we thought that was such a great move for Josh was that he came into Tampa Bay, going to be with the, that group. But now here's that group that gave you a second chance and you left – Basically, for three weeks, two weeks of active roster um, pay and maybe a better future, maybe not, I don't know, uh, down the line. But it's a group that if you would have stayed with, you would have had playoff bonus money coming your way. It was a group that drafted you. It was a group that obviously showed that they had some you know, support for you with uh, them bringing you into Tampa Bay and having you on the practice squad all year. So that's an interesting dynamic too. Like, why did he not choose to stay with them? Was it not working out with them? Well, you know, is this a mutually beneficial, everybody's parting ways because it was better for everybody? Like I, my ears perked up on that as well. And then lastly with this is like, why would Josh, does Josh really, did he get some insurances by the Niners that this, you know, by leaving Tampa Bay and coming up there, he would be in the mix next year for at least the number one backup job or, or, you know, in, in a starting rotation or whatever with Jimmy G, like it was, there some reinsurances for him to leave uh, what on the surface looked like a pretty good situation in Tampa Bay for him. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I think there's I think there's a lot of angles where it like makes a lot of sense. I just want to take it for football for a second because you mentioned it first. I think he fits the system perfectly, man. Like the things that Josh Rosen does well, quick, decisive decision maker. I feel like that West Coast system with with that um that Kyle Shanahan runs in San Francisco. Like when I'm thinking about it, and I'm really like just trying to find the best schematic fit for a guy like Josh Rosen. I feel like that one makes the most sense for me. Well, you know, I think Josh, again, I think he would have fit in, in Indianapolis. He would have fit in San Francisco. He would fit at the Rams. He he would fit, shoot, he would fit really well at Atlanta. You know what I, I mean? I actually there didn't are, like the fit in Tampa Bay, though. I did not like the fit in Tampa Bay. I liked him being behind Tom Brady. I felt like that could be good for him. But, like, I don't think he fit fit what Bruce Arians likes to do. You know what I mean? 
And I don't disagree with you. I think you're right. I, I, I mean, I think every team I just named off wasn't a vertical stretch. It was all West Coast style offenses, right. you know. So I agree with you 100%. Um, and, but when they, like you said, when they took them, I was like, oh, they're back with them. Maybe they're seeing more down the field power than, because he doesn't lack arm strength. Let's be honest. He doesn't lack arm strength. But, you know, for me, he didn't have the down the field stretch power that I would, and pop uh, to his throws that I would, associate with with uh, a vertical stretch offense type quarterback like an old school Jim Plunkett or something you know where that ball just flies off his hand and it's 50 yards before you know it so um you know Dan Marino style guy Elway I mean those guys can go vertical stretch all day long so but again yeah it's just interesting and then for him to go to the again do you think that the Niners would have given him some kind of assurances do you feel that that's how they got him away for it like I, I really am intrigued by that. I don't know why two weeks of on on field took away from. I mean, they're play. I mean, the Bucks are going to the playoffs. Right, right, yeah. And did they give him assurance? I, I don't know, man. It, it's tough to say. I will say that maybe, and I mean, this is all you know. Props to a guy like Josh Rosen. This is, I mean, if he had the decision, where like, hey. San Francisco's interested just to see what you have. And it was a decision that he chose that like he wanted to sign off on. And I, I don't know how much power he even has in that type of situation, but good for him for picking a good one where Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he's on the cusp of, Hey man, this is not our guy. They're going to need to find out who's next. Cause I feel, I keep seeing guys like Zach Wilson now being kind of forecasted to a San Francisco 49ers. Oh, and, I know, but I mean, David, I will say I think that Zach Wilson does also fit their scheme pretty well. But I will say that I would – I mean, I'm not done with Josh Rosen personally. I'm not done with Sam Darnold either. I'm not done with those guys in that class. They were dealt some tough situations. I mean, I don't know, man. Like Josh Rosen just didn't get much of a chance there in Arizona, you know? And I understand it was a new regime and it's working out for Cliff Kingsbury because Kyler Murray looks like he's going to be a superstar. So, like, it all worked out. I just I can't quit Josh Rosen. I wasn't even like the highest Rosen guy of all time. I think he was like my third ranked guy in that quarterback class, but like I still had a pretty high grade on him because I thought he was just so cerebrally advanced, you know, on the field. But I, I just I just can't quit on him right now. You know, I, I just I just can't do it yet. No, I'm totally with you on that. I mean, hundred percent. I think you know people who are trying to get rid of Josh Rosen and um, and uh, the kid in at the Jets, uh, Sam Donald. I mean, it's like, man, they are been put in some tough situations and you're just, you know, throwing them out like they're, you know, yesterday's trash. It's again, I'm not sitting here on the table for either one that they're going to be superstars. But I'll say this when I graded Josh Rosen coming out, I mean, he was the most balanced quarterback I had ever seen, like the way he was balanced in his his lower body mechanics, his shoulders, his hips, everything all the way through, which comes from his days of playing tennis. I mean, it was just like amazing. Like you could write me his textbook, how how you take how he takes drops, how he play actions, everything's textbook. Maybe that's part of the problem. He needs to loosen up a little bit and not be so textbook. But you know, uh, again, if you write in a textbook, you're looking at Josh Rosen's mechanics in a lot of ways. So, uh, but that again, that's that, I just find it very interesting. It's a story that we're gonna watch his space and. Uh, and see how he carries forward and what it means for this offseason with the Niners, what, with draft strategy, with offseason moves, and and we'll, we'll see how this plays out a little bit more for them. 
Absolutely. So we want to transition now to talking playoff football a little bit, talking about NFL. We're going to get to college football playoff talk in a couple minutes, which I know David's already riled up with. We're going to go through this segment a little quicker because we want to hit on not only the seven teams on each side, the AFC and the NFC that are currently in the playoff um, the playoff format right now, but we also want to talk about a couple of the on the bubble teams that still have an opportunity to play themselves in how we're going to do this. Is we're just going to play a little, little round of pretenders or contenders. So uh, we're just going to go one by one here, talk about the team a little bit and see if we're buying into any of these teams. So David, let's start on the AFC side of things. We're going to talk about a couple of the bubble teams first, the Baltimore Ravens sitting at nine and five, currently third in the surprisingly strong AFC North, even though, even with the Pittsburgh Steelers having a three game slide, we have three teams now over nine wins in that conference um, in that division. I should say, Baltimore Ravens, are they a pretender or contender to make the playoffs and be a real threat in the AFC? You know, you take the last two weeks, and I'll say they look pretty much like a a contender. But when you start talking about them getting into the playoffs and then matching up with some of these teams, it's going to be really hard, I think, for them to win this year because their pass rush just isn't getting home um, to the quarterback as much as they needed to. Um, So I'm going to have to label them. (laughs) <laughs> with an at with an asterisk as a pretender right now. I, I agree completely. You know, I was on the Ravens early because I thought they were just going to kind of use that momentum from last year. And I, I felt like I was picking them every week and they just, even when the games they were winning, it just was not pretty. I know they've been playing a little better the last couple weeks. Um, how much do we, you know, how much are we really getting out of what they just did against Jacksonville though? Jacksonville is an absolute train wreck right now. So I'm also going to go pretender here. I'm not buying the Ravens this season. They just seem they've just seem to be taking a step back. I think Marshall Yonda, the great offensive guard for them, retiring. I think that was a bigger deal than people maybe even talked about, right? Because like you talked about, you know, we was one of the underrated players of the era. They he left. They try to replace him with a rookie, and it just you know they have some injuries up front. On top of that, Ronnie Stanley's out. Like they they've had some attrition up front, but I feel like they just. It's just not the same physical unit up front on offense or defense. And like you said, defensive side of the football, they're not creating the pressure. Matt Judon somehow made the Pro Bowl. I don't know how that happens. We can talk about Pro Bowl voting and all that BS another day. That is, <laughs> yeah. That's awful. But I agree with you. I would say pretender. Oakland Raiders. Oh, not Oakland Raiders. I lied. Las Vegas. You lied. Raiders. You keep, I'm sorry. I love that you keep with tradition, though. I know I'm trying to keep the tradition for you, man, but we got the Las Vegas Raiders seven and seven couple games out of the seventh seed in the a- AFC here. Miami Dolphins currently sit there with the seventh seed Oakland Raiders. David, can they play themselves in for you? I actually start here. I'm going to say they're a pretender this year. I think that they have some building blocks. I think they're going in the right direction. Mike Mayock. I was a big fan of before he became GM and I think he's putting together a pretty damn good roster John Gruden looked like he had something going there offensively. There's some building blocks for this team. So I am going to say for now, though, that they are a pretender. No, I think, you know, Rick, <laughs> the RIC in the place to be, he, you know, he he was on the Raiders early. Yeah, I think it was one of his predictions for Super Bowl or something. He might backpedal on that now, but we all know we can rewind the tape. With I and this guy don't lie. So, but, you know, I'm just saying, uh, I, I don't see the Raiders this year having, having the, uh, 
the final push here. They've really, to me, looked bad in the last few weeks. They, they haven't. I mean, Jacob, the, the running back looks fantastic. I think they do have some really nice young tools next year with a year of maturing, another round of drafting the way they've drafted the last couple of years and a free agent process coming up. I think you'll see a much better team. And I think next year they will be true contenders. This year, though, I got to label them pretenders. I don't think they're going to get there. I agree. We agree. Oh, we have agreed so far, D. We don't. This doesn't happen too often. Number seven seed in the AFC, we have the Miami Dolphins at nine and five, just beating the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots' first losing season since like two thousand and two. No, before that, it was I don't know. It, it was a long time ago. We'll just put it that way. So uh, the year before Brady took him to the first Super Bowl. So it might have been two thousand two. Now that I think about it, I, I'm just tripping over words here. So the Miami Dolphins though are nine and five, contenders or pretenders. I think I'm going to do my dad a, a, a fair one here. I think that this team is something to definitely keep an eye out for the future. I think that they are a legitimately good football team that is heading in the right directions. But at the end of the day, they still have a rookie quarterback in Tua, even though Tua is playing very well in a lot of spurts here. I'm going to say for them potentially you know, competing for a Super Bowl this season, I'm going to go pretender. But I love what Brian Flores is building over there with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I, they're playing their asses off for Brian over there. And so for me, it's just like, good good golly, Miss Molly. Like, he's really doing a fantastic job. I think this year, I mean, we sat and did our, our draft day grades, and they got a really good grade, I thought, uh, from us. So, you know, it's it to me, again, it's going to be a long uh, – a long uh, process there. I think they got a few more, a few more. Um, I think they probably, I don't know if they're going to be as close as the Raiders are. I think Tua having a full season under his belt next year will actually help them uh, in their, in the third year with him. So, you know, I think they're a pretender for this year, but in maybe not next year, but the following year, talking about Super Bowl might not be outside their realm if they keep progressing up and doing what they show they could do this year. And I'm going to keep the I'm going to keep the the spotlight on David Turner here because I know he's been a big fan of the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts currently have the sixth seed in the AFC, ten and four record, second in the AFC South to the Tennessee Titans. David, how serious of a contender are the Indianapolis Colts here? Oh, you know, I, I think they're peaking right at the right time. I was talking with Ed Dodds, their uh, assistant general manager, via text the other day. You know, Ed and I had both Oakland guys. We were working there for a while at Oakland. And, uh, man, I think he has his team peaking right at the right time right now. They are they are looking good. That defense is getting healthy, he said. They've gotten a few people back. That's really been a key to that defense. And I think this is a team that is built to do some damage in the playoffs. I think the Colts getting into the playoffs, I think they're currently sitting at the sixth seed. You know, they would match up if I'm, if I, my math is right, they would what match up against Pittsburgh first round right now, if it all ended today. Um, and yeah. if that's, and if that's the case, I could see them absolutely going to Pittsburgh and winning that game with the way Pittsburgh's been playing and comparison to what Indianapolis has been playing. They could definitely go in, go into that matchup and come out the victors for sure. So I see them as a, as a contender. 
Oh, man, David's already selling on Pittsburgh, and we didn't even get there yet. Cleveland Browns, 10-4. and four. Man, man, oh, man, this is going to sound weird. I'm buying the Browns a little bit, David. I'm buying it, man. I, I, I mean, I like, okay, are they going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this year? Are they going to beat one of those top teams in the AFC? Probably not, but I think they're going to compete, man. I, I think they're all right. I, I think the Cleveland Browns are building something nice. I think they finally have a good head coach. And Kevin Stefanski, I think he's done a really good job as a first-year coach. Baker Mayfield's playing at a great rate. They have Nick Chubb. Offensive line is incredibly improved. The defense is still a little bit of work in progress, but they still have guys like Miles Garrett, who's one of the best defensive ends, maybe the best defensive end in all of in all of the NFL right now. So I think the Bill and Blocks are there, man. I think they're going to surprise some people. They might win a game or two in the playoffs. I don't know if they're if they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I do think that they are a contender. I just hope Kevin Stefanski is getting bonuses from these quarterbacks because right? he made Kirk Cousins look like a player and they got him and he got him paid. And now he's got Baker Mayfield that everybody you talk about everybody hitting the sell button. I mean, he had so much talent around him last year, but everybody was selling him up river. Uh, and now people are loving the bake show. So, you know, it's just like, listen. Stavansky, in my opinion, with COVID, being a rookie head coach, with everything, and I know there's some great coaching stories out there. Chris, you know, uh, down in Miami is being one of them, right? But, yeah. and, you know, obviously Coach Rivera with cancer and all that. But if you talk about just doing coaching on the field, I don't know if there's a better coaching job being done that we're witnessing right now than what we're witnessing in Cleveland, a place that people just could not win, have not been able to win, you know, and found every excuse why they couldn't win there. And this guy's got him at 10 wins the first time in 17 years. Uh, you know, they're about to go to a playoffs and, you know, one more year, this thing could have been er- eligible to vote, could have, you know, dropped a ballot uh, in the box, but he's got them all turned around in, in this COVID year. So, you know, I, I mean, I can see why people like George Payton and stuff were really excited about working with him and, uh, and everything. But Stefanski's really shown that he can grab the, the reins and run with it. So I'm buying, I'm buying the Browns a little bit too. I think, again, you look at matchups in the AFC, and right now they um with that two-headed running monster that they have back there with Kareem Hunt and Chubb I mean they're just pounding the ball and Kareem Hunt out of the backfield I mean he's just such a receiving threat too there it's a great weapon it's a great one-two punch back there and Landry I mean he's coming on people's uh was it people's uh the other receiver for me yeah yeah, I yeah. mean he's he's been coming on so and the wide open passing lanes, Stavansky's run action is just causing such wide open passing lanes for Baker. It's it's just incredible to sit and watch. Uh, I've been enjoying the Browns the last couple of weeks for sure. I I love everything he does too with twelve personnel. He runs a bunch of two tight end sets. Gets so I mean he gets some nice passing games. I mean uh, passing lanes off the of play action. I'm a fan of what Stavansky's doing, and when I'm looking at like. Who are the head coach of the year candidates? You mentioned a couple. I think Brian Flores, obviously down in Miami, what he's doing. Kevin Stefanski with the Browns. Uh, maybe Frank Reich with the Colts. Obviously, he's had a great year. I have to think right now with what has been the tradition of the Cleveland Browns over how many years now. You know, this isn't your grandfather's Cleveland Browns in the 1960s when they were do- dominant. You know, this is a bad franchise over the last 30 years. 
and what he has taken them to new heights as a first-year head coach. you got to think Kevin Stefanski is the coach of the year. Maybe we could talk about that next week. The next team, though, that we want to talk about is the Tennessee Titans. Um, uh, they're so tough for me, David, because I want to crown them as like a legitimate contender, and I feel like every time I really start talking them up, then they lay a goose egg on me, you know, a little <laughs> bit. But Ryan Tannehill's had a great rejuvenance over the last couple of years, you know, since coming over since for Miami as the backup to Mariota last year, and then really bursting onto the scene. He's had a really nice year. Derrick Henry playing uh, playing out of his mind, leading the league and rushing again over sixteen hundred yards so far. That defense just has me worried, man, because they have some offensive weapons. They have a really nice offense. I think I'm going to sell them, though, and I'm going to call them a pretender just because I don't think that defense is quite good enough right now. And I'm right there with you. I mean, you know, they went and got Clowney towards the end of the year, end of the offseason before the regular season started. He's not coming back anytime soon. The pass rush isn't there. They have to generate stuff off blitzing, which in the playoffs is trouble because if you can't play base defense and all your pressure is just based off blitzing, it's going to be it's going to be trouble for you. So I, I think for the same reasons, I'm with you. I think Tannehill, again, is a player that we see you get away from Adam Gase and, you know, you can wind up becoming an MVP candidate, but uh, you know, that's why we shouldn't be selling on Sam Donald so hard. <laughs> but that being said, a little, you know, back in there to Gase and why you have a job, I don't know. Um, but that being said, yeah, I think they're pretenders for right now because of the defense the offense though, is it's built for the playoffs. I mean, you got, you got a great run game, play action game, good tight ends there. I mean, they're built to go into the playoffs uh, on a good up note, but I don't think their defense is stacked enough. I think you're 100% correct on yeah. that. Yeah, playing bad defense in playoff atmosphere is never a good thing. Like you're saying, if you need to play a bunch of man-to-man in the playoffs and you can, that's the only way that you can create pressure – when you're facing guys like Patrick Mahomes and you're seeing a bunch of man-to-man, you're in a lot of trouble, my friend. So we can't we can't be doing that too much. We got to be able to mix and match. Next team is a Steelers team that was undefeated for the longest time. They were 11-0 at one point. They've now lost three straight, including uh, their loss last night. If you're listening to us live on Tuesday, it's Monday Night Football. They just had a embarrassing loss, 27-17 to the Cincinnati Bengals. That no Joe Burrow at the helm. We're, we're, uh, yeah, Finley. we're by Ryan Finley, who yeah. if you followed me at that point when he was coming out of NC State, you know, I wasn't too much of a fan of Ryan Finley. So um, he threw like he threw for like 90 something yards and won that football game last night against the Steelers. They and he ran for right a now, touchdown too. He did run for a touchdown. I guess he did some good things with his legs, which you didn't really see too much at NC State, which was nice to see. But David, yeah. look at me in the eyes. Look at me in the eyes for a second. Out on the Steelers. I'm done. I am out. See ya. You know, I I think the Steelers still have a shot, but I don't think they have a deep shot. And, and it's because their defense is not playing Steeler defense. You took Bud Dupree out of that defense, and now people can slide to TJ Watt. They can double him. They don't the, the the sting of that defense just isn't what it was when they had both Bud and TJ going. Why was TJ up for like player of the or defensive player of the year is because Bud Dupree was on the other side taking so much attention. Um, you know, they had to account for him and now without him being there, uh, that's just not the case. So yeah, I think like what we just did with Tennessee, the defense is going to be their Achilles heel. I think here for, for Pittsburgh, you know, not only is the defense not playing up to par, 
but the, those receivers have come down to reality a little bit. The run game has to be a little bit more effective for them. They're going to struggle. They might be a one and done in the playoffs. That's why I was saying, like, you know, again, whoever is going to Pittsburgh to play that game, whoever gets that matchup, they might be the one favorite road team on the uh, favorite to win come that Sunday. Out on the Pittsburgh Steelers, currently the number two team in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills. I'm in on this one, David. I was very hesitant on Josh Allen buying into the improvements that he has made. I mean, my guy's playing great football. Absolutely is. I'm a big fan of Coach McDermott over there uh, who spent some time with the Philadelphia Eagles as well on, um, on their staff as an assistant. He's done an incredible job for the Buffalo Bills. Brian Dable is probably going to be a head coach next year. He's done an incredible job with that offense. According to my building a team, he is. Not your yeah, building a team. Yeah. But when I well, build a team, he is. Yeah, well, well I think you drafted <laughs> him before I drafted him. Right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're, we're, you're talking about staying on track, and you're sidetracking right this second. That doesn't – yeah. I'm yeah, just mentioning facts, baby. Just mentioning practice facts, preach. baby. Practice what you preach. Um, I'm buying. <laughs> I'm buying the Buffalo Bills as a contender this year. Are you? I am. I like what they're doing there. Uh, you know, I got to work with Brandon Bina for a quick minute there in Carolina. He left right right when I was like kind of getting in the door. But I've known him for a long time. He's got some other good friends of mine up there, with Lake Dawson, and 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 many people that are fine personnel people around him. And Coach McDermott and him seem to be on the same page. I think Beaner just got a two year extension on the back end of his contract, rewarded with that last week. So. You know, I think it's great what they're building there. I'm buying my cousin, who's a huge Buffalo Bills fan. You know, it's hard. He's being he's he's being so humble about it, but I know he wants to buy in. He just got his heart broken all those years they lost in the Super Bowl, so he's being yeah. more reserved about it. But Josh Allen, I again, I thought Josh Allen would have been the number one pick overall that year. I really did. Uh, I thought he was everything that you know the the Browns would have wanted in a quarterback but you know luckily he slid to seven and the Bills picked him up and bam you know they're rolling now yeah and I think he's the perfect um, example of why situation is so important for young quarterbacks right like he fell into a optimal position with a team that was growing and man what a what a difference because I mean he showed a lot of improvements last year in 2019 but what a difference it is now that he has Stephon Diggs, a true number one wide receiver. That offense is clicking. Cole Beasley's playing good football. Buying them, but I am not buying them over. I'm sorry, David. I'm going to sound like a broken record, and I know it's boring and it's cyclical, and I get it. Kansas City Chiefs, man. If I'm betting on a team to win the Super Bowl this year, Patrick Mahomes. That's all I got to say. That kid is phenomenal. Even when he's not on, he is still so good. Like I, I just, I at the end of the day, when we're picking playoff games this year. I'm going to defer to the better quarterback most of the time because that's usually how the how the uh, how the story is written. And there's no better quarterback in the NFL right now than Patrick Mahomes. And you know what? He's playing really well. But I think again, look at the or the Los Angeles Chargers when they played them not too many weeks ago. They had a good game plan for Patrick Mahomes, and it kind of blueprinted what we have seen now. Some some certain people, even Miami this last weekend, played him strong, played him played him tough. He threw what three picks in that game. Yes, they came back and won. They have the better talent. I understand that, but in the playoffs, I don't know if they're built to come back from a three turnover type game and win against a playoff type caliber team. 
you know, I think that's going to be something to watch. And, you know, right now, I think we see a pattern of how to kind of trap Mahomes into some some throws that, you know, he used to get away with. And now teams are running some some zone drop blitzing and stuff that that's confusing him a little bit. So, again, I I'm not I'm not buying them as hard as you're buying them. I'm still buying them. I still think they're the favorite AFC team to get to the Super Bowl. But again, I, I won't be surprised if they wind up not being the team that, that gets there. I owe all my trust to the Kansas City Chiefs because they have taken me. And I want to tell you this, David, because I haven't talked to you about this because we don't talk about fantasy football. Fantasy football championship next week, I am in. All thanks to Mr. Mahomes. So I owe him the world right now. So oh, shout out to Patrick nice. Mahomes. Shout out to Patrick Mahomes. We're going to go over to the NFC, which is a lot more of a cluster fill in the blank because there are a lot of teams <laughs> – that are still on the bubble, quote-unquote, because the NFC East is so bad, so every team in that division is still in the bubble. We're not going to talk about teams under 500, though, so I'm going to stick to well, the 7-7. <laughs> well, no, we're going to talk about the single team right now that is, quote-unquote, in the playoffs, according to this to this bracket right gotcha. now. Okay. But out, right. In the, on the bubble, I'm not talking about the 6-8 and eight Vikings. I'm not talking about the 5-9 and nine Cowboys. I'm not doing it. I'll start here, though. With the Chicago Bears, who have actually had a good night, couple of nice weeks in a row after a long skid after starting five and one or whatever they were, everybody was calling them fake, and I I agreed with everyone. <laughs> but then last couple of weeks, Mitch Trubisky looks okay. David Montgomery looks good. This defense is usually pretty good. Like that's never a problem with the Chicago Bears. Contender or pretender, David? Chicago Bears. I think they're a pretender. I don't. I mean, I I think they've had a couple good weeks in a row here, but ultimately, I think their their last couple weeks here are against some real players, um, you know. So I think they're going to wind up, you know, going to wind up dropping some here. Let me see who they got. They have, we have Jack. Well, no, they have Jacksonville this weekend, which again they could win that game, and then they finish with Green Bay, which actually might be a nothing game for Green Bay at that point. So you right. might see they them. might be nine and seven. They might be yeah. nine and seven. Nine and seven to me, I am still not buying them though. They can finish nine and seven, but I won't be buying them. There's, I still think they're a pretender. Okay, so maybe maybe buying them to possibly make the playoffs, but not a contender to actually do anything in the playoffs. Maybe we'll go correct. That way. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree with you. I am. It's nice to see because I actually like David Montgomery a bunch coming out of Iowa State. He had a, str- a pretty struggling few games the last couple of weeks. He's been he's looked exceptional. So happy to see him kind of have a little bit of a resurgence here. Next, we're going to go into the teams that are actually in the playoffs right now with the season end today. Number seven is the Arizona Cardinals off of their defeat over thirty three twenty seven or thirty four twenty seven over the um, the Eagles this past week. Jalen Hurts led Eagles. I mean, David, I've been on this since the beginning. I know, like, Rick was really high on him. I think some other people have been high on him in spurts. I'm not buying him this year. I'm just not. I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they have enough. Like, their offensive line isn't great. Their defense isn't great. They have a really nice young quarterback. They have a good running back. They have some good targets in the passing game. One well, most important parts of winning football games, though, besides for the quarterback, offensive line play and defense, I think they lack very, very much so in those areas. 
No, I, I mean, all year you've heard me th- tell you I, I'm not a, I'm not high on them either. Rick's the one that's really high on these guys. But K1 is nice at quarterback. But you saw also about four weeks ago, K1 got hurt, and he hasn't been the same since. He's still not the same. Um, you know, they're trying to say he's healthy out of there, but he's not running the ball as much. The, the, court, the coach isn't calling running plays for him as much. So, you know, they're taking that his legs a lot out of the – the uh, threat on offense. So I think they're going to, if they make it into the playoffs, they're, they're, they're going to be, uh, I don't see them getting deep, you know, especially with matchups to come that, I mean, right now they'd be matched up against new Orleans, which again is a winnable game for them. But I wouldn't see that as, you know, one that I would pick them over new Orleans at this point. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we're, we're pretty similar there as well. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've been back and forth with this, David. I'm still going to go contender here. I know there's been some bad spurts kind of in this season. I understand that. At the end of the day, they have a good defense and they have Tom Brady. So I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to say that they are a contender. Would I pick them as a favorite? Absolutely not. But I think that they can make noise because at the end of the day, they have that defense, and they have Tom Brady. No, I agree with you. I think they can make some noise in the playoffs. I, I'm not a big Tom Brady. Still has a lot of juice in that arm. When I watch him throw it, I see a lot of under 15 yards passes and a lot of timing things that, you know, to me, just they're average, you know, and, and it hurts me to say because I love Tom Brady, and I think he's been great for so many years. But just this year alone, I've seen a lot of average throws coming out of his uh, – out of his hand. So to me, I think you're right. I think they get in. I think they could, they could give, you know, right now they, they'd be up against Seattle. I think so the, the forecasted matchup right now. And if that came into play, Seattle's lack of pass rush, I mean, Tampa Bay could wind up winning that game, but I think the second round they would run into some, some, some difficulty. Yep, absolutely. But again, I'm always going to give Tom Brady a chance because I think he, at this point in his life deserves probably all, all the respect in that regard. The Los Angeles Rams, off of a awful loss, an absolute Uh-oh. awful loss to New York Jets, had been playing very well for the majority of this season. A couple ugly losses, though. They've been playing pretty well, though, against the good teams. You know, even even their one loss against a, a, a good Bills team was a close one where it went down to the wire. And besides for that, they've lost to the San Francisco 49ers twice and the New York Jets. So they're beating good teams, but for whatever reason, they lost to the Jets after losing to San Francisco a couple times yesterday. Ugly loss, still 9-5, second in the NFC West. They've kind of been teeter-tottering back and forth with the Seattle Seahawks. David, I, I'm, I'm going to try to be as unbiased as possible. It's, it comes down to this. When the Rams are able to run the football, they can, they can play with any team in the NFL, and they can beat any team in the NFL. When they aren't able to establish a run early, like they did last game, and they fall behind, they are look. They just look so out of out of um, out of rhythm and awkward on offense. John McVay is an excellent coach. They had gone like forty something and one hundred and sixteen in like 50, uh, 10 years before Sean McVay had taken over. Some crazy, disgusting losing record like that, and he has taken them winning seasons in every year so far, which is a big accomplishment through those those awful years with guys like Steve Spagnola and, and oh, man, I don't, I don't want to ever try to remember <laughs> those seasons. Sam Bradford, like, I don't want to remember those years. Sean McVay's done a great job. 
I'm going to say that they're a pretender for now because I think that things have to go so much the right way offensively for them to compete. But they do have a good defense. They can run the ball well in spurts. Jared Goff's good when he's in rhythm. I just there's there's too many moving parts for me to really buy them as a contender right now. You know, I'm going to put a contender tag on them. They're going to get the C from me because you know if you look at who's making the NF- NFC playoff uh, picture here. I'm not shot in the butt with a lot of them. You know, I mean, Green Bay to me is the one team that's really playing really great football. But New Orleans, I mean, their defense has been really well, playing really well. But again, the offense is spat, spurtering, spattering a little bit. Seattle, we, we talked about the lack of pass rush. Washington basically has no offense, all defense. And, you know, they're in this game. If, if the Los Angeles Rams line up and play the defense they can they can play, they can take control of some of these games and they can win them for sure. And, you know, right now they might have the favorable matchup to play a Dwayne Haskins-led Washington, Reds, uh, Washington football team, you know, in the first round, which could give them some, some momentum before they'd have to line up and play Green Bay or somebody in the second round. So, you know, I'm going to put a contender on them because I like their defense. I like their run game. And I think Coach McVay is a very solid coach and coaching really comes uh, forward in, in the playoffs. I will say I'm I'm definitely buying the AFC more than the NFC. Just looking at both sides of this bracket, there's uh, NFC is a little wide open. I mean, you mentioned the Packers, who are a good football team. The Saints have the makings of a good football team, but the quarterback position right now is not great for them. Drew Brees does not look good right now. So I can buy the Rams maybe making a push. They just make me a little nervous. You talked a little bit about the Washington football team which is currently in the fourth seed at six and eight. What a joke that is. Um, I don't think we have to spend too much time on this one, David. They are an absolute pretender. Yes. They're, you know, what, what they're doing there this year is great. The G men are hot on their heels though. Uh, (laughs) So you don't know if they're going to wind up winning that one outright or not. Uh, But again, they're anybody from that. We can't say our serious contenders to win a Super Bowl this year. You know, they're pretenders. It's a whole division that's rebuilding and revamping. So, yeah, we don't have to spend much time on that. They're awful. They are awful. Seattle Seahawks, number three seed, 10 and four, started out the year like gangbusters. I know you were a big fan of what they were doing. Have not been the team of late that they were early in the season. That defense is historically bad. The uh, Russell Wilson starting to turn the ball over a little bit. They have not been the offense that we saw early in the season. Let Russ cook has not been quite up to standard the last few weeks. I'm selling them. I'm going to say they're a pretender. When you have Russell Wilson, they're always going to be in the conversation. Again, at the end of the day, though, man, when you have a bad defense, I'm just it's a hard sell for me in the playoffs. Again, I'm I'm usually with you. This is a team that I really feel with DJ Met, D, DJ Met Metcalf. DK. DK, DK, sorry. I knew I was getting yeah. there wrong. DK Metcalf. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to keep them out of the games because he's such an electric player and a dominant player. If they can get their run game going, that's the thing that's dangerous to Seattle. If they can get a run game going and that play action pass starts working for Russ, then they're going to be a contender all the way through. Uh, you know, the lack of defensive push, the lack of defensive you know pressure up front, they've been able to generate it through blitzes. They've been able to do some things, which, again, like I just said, is going to be hard to consistently do in the playoffs and against playoff caliber teams. It's very hard to do. 
Seattle, their coaching staff, they have veteran coaches. They have some great young talent. I like them. I'm putting a contender C on them. I think they could be a team that goes to, you know, represents the NFC in, in the Super Bowl this year. Okay, so David's buying, still buying into the Seattle Seahawks a little bit. New Orleans Saints, I talked about it a little bit. I'm going to label them a contender still just because I think that that defense is good. They have some electric weapons. As you know, I'm changing my mind. Sorry, I just talked myself out of it. I, was, I started to think a little bit. I started to think a little bit. No Michael Thomas. Drew Brees just does not look the same. I'm going to sell the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to say that they are a little bit of a pretender. Yeah, I got to sell the Saints at this point. You know, it hurts me because they were rolling there for a while. My mom's a huge Saints fan, so I'm going to be hearing about this. But I got to <laughs> sell them. I got to sell them. They can't be contenders this year. I'm sorry, Drew. It's just it's not there for you. Without Michael, with him being banged up, you being banged up, that offense just doesn't have the teeth in it to be a contender. And that's usually what drives them is to get up on opponents and then let, you know, Cam – and all those guys up front go go eating and and uh, put pressure on and and win the win the turnover battles late in the game. But yeah, this year I got to put the pretender sticker on them for for a Super Bowl. Yeah, and now last one, eleven and three Green Bay Packers. Uh, I mean, somebody has to be a contender in the NFC, right? I've been selling a lot of teams here. Green Bay Packers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing as well as he ever has. They have a running game. They have some guys on defense. Run defense isn't great, but they have some guys that can get after the passer. Jair Alexander on the back end. There are definitely some redeeming qualities at defense, and you have Aaron Rodgers. So at any point, you have an opportunity to win a football game with him. Absolutely. You got to buy them as a, as the odds-on favorite to be the representative of the NFC in the Super Bowl. Aaron is playing as – and again, you talk about coach, coach of the year, and look at this young coach. I mean, back-to-back years, this young coach has had his guys, you know, honed in and winning and he's had a change in offensive scheme with a veteran quarterback he had to find a marry his scheme with what aaron could do i mean this is a talented young coach that not a lot of people are talking about but he's walked into green bay and he's really got a lot of wind under his belts his first few years here so you know that's another good coach to think about and talk about when you talk about coach of the year um you know i know everybody's gonna say oh but he had Aaron Rodgers, how tough can it be? <laughs> Man, he, he won 11 games so far, and he could ultimately win, you know, again, two more. He could be 13 and three. That's, I mean, don't sneeze at that in the NFL, no matter where. I mean, it's, it's tough to do. So, right. And I know, um, I don't know what the record is for most wins in your first two years as a head coach, but I think he did tie George Seifert winning 18 of his first 20 games or something like that. Um, to start a head coaching career. So Matt LaFleur has done an excellent job. I agree completely. Uh, falling behind on time a little bit, so we're actually going to skip the um, the mailbag for tonight. We're going to talk about some of those questions next week when we have a little more time. Uh, that playoff picture, we really wanted to just talk about that contenders and pretenders a little bit. Before we finish off, I just want to remind you guys again so much um, that we appreciate you for taking some time with us. Friday Night Scout School is going to be off for the next couple weeks for the holidays, but make sure to check out that at NFLDraftBible.com. We also have a big announcement at NFL Draft Bible coming on January 1st. I wish I could tell you now. I would announce it to the world right this second, but contracts, right? You know, January, 1st. <laughs> January 1st, the news will be out there. We thank you all. Again, we have a bunch of people that are still in the, in the room with us. Uh, throwing some live questions. We have a few more minutes here, but there's a co- definitely a couple of things that we want to touch base on before we get. Uh, David dropped this into the chat that I forgot to put on our list for tonight, actually. It happens 
about a half an hour before the show began. Brian Harrison, who is the coach for Boise State, just uh, Harrison, sorry, Brian Harrison, uh, the head coach for Boise State, has just taken the head coaching position at Auburn University. So he's a new coach taking over for Gus Malzahn. Instant reactions here, David. I will say I, I'm a little underwhelmed. That's just me, though. I'm just a little underwhelmed. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I know he's done a fine job at Boise State, but again, okay. you're talking. Yeah, right. but again, you're not doing. You're, you're not. It's not an SEC. I mean, this is SEC country now, and you got to go down there. I I've never met the man, so I can't sit here and tell you I'm, I'd be underwhelmed on an interview process with him. I don't know. You know, right. that's not something in my travels. I, I've I've spent a lot of time with him, but what I could say is. You know, I was expecting a bigger name. Like, I really was. I was expecting a bigger name for Auburn. I thought that was a job that a a ton of coaches would want. A ton of coaches would be, like, knocking down the door to go get. Like a Bill O'Brien, right? Like somebody like that, that caliber. Yeah, like Billy Boy. I I mean, I thought he would would want it. I don't know if they want him, but, you know, he would want it. But, you know, that – what, who who just took the Illinois job? One of the outside linebacker coaches uh, for the Giants, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I would have I would have thought there would have been maybe some NFL style coaches that might want to coach at Auburn. Like literally, it's Auburn. I mean, that's a great job to leave an even an NFL job to go do that. Like, it's, think about if they hired you know Eric Bieniemy or something down there. I mean, and, well, that would have been crazy. That would have been. Crazy. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's Auburn. You should be able to get those kind of guys to come be there so you know or say like they waited a couple weeks here and you know uh, Raheem Morris you know doesn't get the Atlanta job and now he's he's sitting right there in Atlanta and he can come over and coach Auburn University like that's a big job so yeah I'm a little surprised they moved so fast on it and who they wound up taking uh and giving the opportunity to I was uh, I thought they moved really quickly uh, which usually tends to mean they honed in on him early in the process and uh, he, you know, he got the gig, but I was really surprised tonight when I saw that. Yeah, I was too. I mean, I, I'd heard rumors about Auburn maybe retaining their defense coordinator as head coach, Kevin Steele. So I guess it could have been worse. because I don't know why that was ever a conversation that was happening. So we'll see what, what Harrison, um, Harrison, sorry, I keep pronouncing it wrong. What Brian Harrison has to bring, uh, to the East Coast now, coming from Boise. I, I mean, I just haven't been super impressed with what Boise's done over the last couple of years, to be honest with him. So, like, I don't know. It just it seemed like a little – I don't know. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I'm not shot in the ass with it either. Yeah. So, we want to move into the college football talk. Uh, we originally wanted to leave a, maybe a little more time for this one, but they were briefly touched on this, okay? So, the playoff has been finalized. We have number one, Alabama, taking on number four, Notre Dame. And we have number two, Clemson, now taking on number three, Ohio State. Storyline from here, what what stands out to you? What do you kind of want to uh, hash out with these matchups here? It's a joke. The whole damn thing's a joke. And that's what I want to say. The whole damn thing, it's a joke. You tell these young men to come back and play to get into the bowl and play to do this and play to do that when the whole damn year has been set up and rigged to have these four teams that are all great viewership teams, traveling teams show up to play in the game. And even Notre Dame strong armed the Rose bowl out of leaving California to go to Jerry's world. And just so they can have fans in the stands. And they said, Oh, if we don't have fans in the stands, we're not going to play. 
So now everybody's up in arms. Oh my gosh, we can't have a playoff without it was about Notre Dame. The parents. It was about the yeah, parents. Yeah, sure parents. it was. Okay, fine. We'll say that. Just like it's an amateur sport. Okay, fine. Let's talk about that. Okay. It's not. It's a joke. And it's, and it, it's, and, you know, Brian Kelly said it himself. You know, let's stop calling it an amateur sport if the parents can't come to the stands. Hey, Brian, let's stop calling it an amateur sport when the fix is in all year for your club to be in the freaking playoffs and all why, these why other teams. Why is it a fix? Why is it a fix? What, what are we talking about? Brother, you can't tell me that every what? team in America had the right and the ability to make it to this the playoff championship series when you mm-hmm. have teams that are undefeated, undefeated, oh, and they're not even in the conversation. You have start. teams that are don't one start. loss, one loss that are not in the conversation, but then you have a okay. six-win team where rules had to be bent and broke and readjusted for them so What's they can make the oh, What's that have to do with Notre Dame? Huh? I thought we were talking about Notre Dame. I thought we were talking about Notre I'm talking Dame. About no, the whole damn thing. You asked me what's wrong. I said the whole damn thing's rigged. The whole damn thing is rigged to have these four teams that people tune into that are gonna that that they're gonna get their viewership numbers, and that's all they care about. And that's what's a shame because we say it's a it's a it's a sport for the amateurs. You know, don't pay the players, don't do that. But then the the business decisions are made, and it's all based on business. And who you can't you tell me. What, what, what would your ideal playoff be? Who, who are the four teams in your ideal playoff? Cincinnati? Is that who we're talking about? No, we're not. Ta- I'm talking about a legitimate ability to play yourself into the mix. These were the same four teams that were ranked before the season. And now they're the same four teams at the end of the season. And Ohio State is my biggest one that I don't feel played themselves to be here in this situation. And you have teams like Texas A&M. You have teams like, I don't have it up in front of me, but you have teams over there, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, that have played their asses off to be in this conversation, to be in this mix. Hell, even BYU and Coastal Carolina have you know played uh, their asses oh, off. Give me that, please. They have please, played their please, asses please. off. They have absolutely, but co- you want to you want to put Coastal Carolina in a bowl game against Alabama? Is that what we're doing right now? I want if you're gonna call it a playoff system, a college playoff system, make it yep. where everybody can get into the damn playoffs. They didn't even make it that way. They made sure that who they wanted is where they wanted, how they wanted, and it's a fix. It's a complete fix. I don't know if I would call it a fix. I understand what you're saying, but it's, this is also the first year that that's ever happens where the four first four teams that were selected in the college football playoff ranking were the end result. That was the first time that's ever happens. It's not like this happens year in and year out where that is the case. But this is why NC, honestly, this is why March Madness is the greatest sporting event known to man. Because a Sweet 16 team always makes it through, and you get you can attach yourself to this this storyline every year, and you can get behind some Coastal Carolina type team that does run the table and does some great things in the in the tournament. This is why you know the NC2A college football has missed the boat, and all they've had to do is look at their playoff model for basketball for decades, and they would, and they could have solved this years ago. But, you know, it's so archaic with the, the, the 
the bowl system and all these you know out of control bowls that they never wanted to make a true playoff system. And again, I see you doing the money side. I know Johnny Football. It's all about the money, <laughs> and I get it. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. This is a fix. It's all about the freaking dollars making sense. It's not about true amateur sports where people can get in and make make a run. I mean, I'm sorry. You said, do I really want to see Coastal Carolina play Alabama? Yeah, I do. Because those Yardbirds, those Yardbirds, everybody was saying the, the Mullets versus the the Mormons and the Mormons were going to finally take it to the Mullets and the Mullets came out on top on that game. I- Hey, if, if we're talking about if we're talking about changing the system and making it into an expanded playoff, I'm all for that. I'm just saying the people that are saying coast like Cincinnati should be the four seed. That's not true. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to agree with that. But if you're telling me you want to see a one versus sixteen, I'm down for it. I'm down for it. Give me a playoff system, absolutely. Give me at least an eighteen playoff system. I'm good with it. I am absolutely good with it. If we want to expand the playoffs, I think it would be great for the sport. I'm just saying, if we're talking about moving one of those teams into the four spot, I would say honestly, and I know you disagree, but Texas A&M to me has played themselves into that spot over Ohio State. Why though? Because they played more games. Texas A&M beat two football teams with an above 500 record all season, and they blew. They got blown out by Alabama. But they beat. They played more games. They played a, a to me a tougher schedule than Ohio State. Look at the teams Ohio State played, and they only played six games. Okay, a and, conference champion though versus a team that didn't even make their conference championship. You know, like there's just so many. But uh, why did they make their conference championship? The teams that are above them are freaking. You know, but again, I'm just saying. You asked my question, and that's what I would say. I think a team, everybody you put in front of Texas A&M, they lined up and they played. Yes, they got beat by Alabama, but that's also who they got to play. Who has Ohio State beat this year? Like, literally. Indiana, Northwestern, I don't know, you know. Yeah, but that's two David, out of David, six. Don't argue, don't argue with me on my podcast, okay? Stop oh. arguing with me. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I will not prove you wrong on your podcast again. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. Last uh, couple of days we're going to talk about. Of course, we have some holiday flavor in here for you all. So David threw in a couple of nice, uh, fun ones here. So first question he wants us to answer is, what is your favorite holiday treats? David, do you want to start this one or you want me to? Oh, my gosh. So for me, growing up as a young man in an Italian household, the, the ladies always got together and made cookies. We had a huge cookie, which is, you know, standard for a lot of families. But they always made, like, classic Italian holiday cookies. And there was this one. I don't know the name of it because I've always just called it the chocolate cookie. I don't know if it really has a real name. So maybe one of our listeners, when I describe it, they'll, they'll Google it and they'll tell me. But it's a chocolate cookie that you roll up in a ball you bake off, then you let it cool, and then you wind up taking it, and uh, they have to roll it in some kind of icing. And my grandmother used to play, put out these sheets on her bed, and you would put the icing, uh, the the balls after they're, they're dipped and they're coated, you would put them all over the, the bed. So literally, you would have beds all over her house just drying cookies. And it was the funniest thing ever to strangers. They'd come in and you would have the different cookies drying on different beds and doing different things with icing. 
And for me, that chocolate cookie always represented Christmas time because she only made it once a year because it was very labor intensive. And that was the one time a year we would get those cookies. So that was my favorite holiday treat. Well, I, hey, I'm right there with you. I was going to bring up cookies right now because my mother is also an Italian woman. Okay. So she got down in the kitchen to start out with and she would get down in, in the baking of the cookies. She, she, would, she would spoil me and my dad because I'm an only child. And she would make one huge tin of cookies for us now. And then she would save the rest for the holiday parties, you know? So we would always get double batches of cookies. My favorites, I, I was a big cookie and milk guy, which is why I was why, why I was morbidly obese as a child, okay? So we had chocolate chip cookies, the standard. She would put some, you know, nuts and some chocolate chip cookies too, which are good. Not my favorite. The best cookies in the world, though, are the peanut butter cookies that you take the Hershey Kiss in the middle, you know, when they're still warm. Oh, you drop those yeah. in. I don't know yeah. what they're called, but they are absolutely delicious. Chocolate morsels or something. I don't know. Peanut butter and chocolate, the best combination in the world by far. She would also make those Russian tea cookies, which were like those nut balls that were put in the powdered sugar. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Those, my Italian family, so they would make some pizzelles as well. They have some anise and some and, and you know, all, all types of good stuff. So my go-to, though, always was the cho- was a peanut butter cookie, chocolate, dip that in some milk or some chocolate chip cookies. You can't go wrong. So those are, those are my delicacies as well. It's got to be cookies around the holidays, man. Like, what else are you going to have? It has to yeah. be cookies. You know, some people have certain pies or they have certain cakes or something they do. I had one intern one time. Like, uh, his mom would always send a certain cake. You know, they had a cake that they always had. That was Christmas to him. And I was like, okay. But for us, you know, obviously our families, it's the cookies, the cookie bake-offs. It is the cookies, absolutely. And a very nice assortment of cookies, not just a couple types of cookies. You had a big assortment. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. The best holiday treats has to be some cookies. Our favorite holiday tradition. This is what I was struggling with a little bit, David. I mean, like, for me, like, you know, and and this isn't just the play to the sports podcast, right? Like, bowl season. That was, you know, (laughs) there was a game on every day during the holiday season. But if I had to hone in, I would say – my, my traditions now are I see my parents on Christmas Eve. They come over. We exchange presents or I go over there and we exchange presents. And then I go over my in-laws house. We usually watch a bunch of movies. We get in like some pajamas and we wake up early. Like it, it's still kind of like a traditional old fashioned feel like you're a kid still to a degree. And then you have like the mid morning breakfast the next day. So, you know, we, we still c- try to keep treats. And especially with us bringing a little girl into the world soon, we want that that morning to be as magical as possible, even though we're not children anymore. But for a couple minutes, we're going to get back on our PJs. We're going to watch the Christmas movies. We're going to wake up early and we're going to exchange presents. So that's kind of my tradition. You got, you got something good that was on your mind? It's always Christmas morning. Like Christmas mm-hmm. Eve was always our formal event. It was always like big deal, family get together. You had to dress up for it. But Christmas morning, yeah. we would always have at my grandparents' house. And this will be the first year that we're with either without either one of them. Um, so Christmas morning is is the morning though. We were like you said, you would be in your PJs, 
yep. you get up and you, you, you know, you and your little family would open presents and Santa presents would be there and it would be great. And then once you did that, you would sack up everything for the rest of the family and you would hike up to grand Nana's house and, you know, not Nani would already have the bacon already cooking and the sausages cooking and you could smell it when you walk in. And then it was like, all right, who wants waffles? Who wants pancakes? Who's having eggs? You know, you yep. had short order cook in there called Nanu. <laughs> he was in there cooking and then the kids were ripping gifts open and people are yelling for coffee and you know that that chaos that morning chaos is what i always remember about christmas and with my kids it's the one that i always still try to emulate to have as best christmas morning as possible yeah and a, a couple other uh, treats that maybe to mention on a christmas eve that just popped into my head my mom is, you know, that Italian mother. So you would go over her house, she'd have the Christmas ham, but then she'd have like raviolis and there'd be an opening course and there'd be like six courses. It was insane. Um, on Christmas Eve, well, that's more Christmas dinner, but Christmas Eve, she would always get these pizzas from this bakery here in New Jersey called Kashi's Pizza, which was, you know, your Sicilian slice, which was so good. You know, you would have the tomato pie mixed in with the regular slice. It was fantastic. And then, you know, you go over to the in-laws house and they usually get maybe a tray of some Chick-fil-A nuggets or something like that <laughs> for like a little, little late night snack. So a lot of good traditions um, that just popped into my head that, that are still alive and well. So moving to the Christmas time here, we want to thank you all so much for taking some time with us to talk ball, to talk holidays, to talk traditions, to talk with Jason Brown, quarterback from St. Francis. We really appreciate everyone taking some time with us live here. We still have viewers in the live stream with us on Twitter, on Facebook. I'm going to let David Turner get the final say here before I hit the outro and get us out of here and get us ready and to go into that holiday season officially. David Turner, this was fun. I had a lot of fun, man. Before I knew it, I looked up and we were at 90 minutes, like always. So. <laughs> like always. Uh, we can't do anything <laughs> under 90 minutes. It's just the way we roll. But no, I want to say thank you to Ryan. This has been an amazing partnership with Ryan, Draft Bible, Rick, and everybody who supports Mavericks and what we do here, Keon and Grace and Michelle and you know everybody who's helping uh, Mavericks grow this year in particular has been an incredible year for us. Um, you know, the brand recognition, the the things that we've brought to the, the market, the podcast, the books that we're writing, the draft school that we've doing, all the other stuff we've done. It's just been an amazing journey and experience in a 2020 that's thrown us nothing but curveballs. And uh, and for, for lack of better word, but it's Mavericks, a lot of shit sandwiches we've eaten this year. You know, there's been a lot of good stuff that's come out of it, too. So, you know, I want to thank Ryan on this podcast as I do every, but I want to thank him for being my partner in crime on this and with me every step of the way. It's been great. And uh, for those that are in the chat, Chris and Devin and Justin and, and Josh are coming on and all those live listeners that pay attention to us every week. Thank you so much. Fan interaction is the only reason we're still on doing this stuff. So definitely hit us up with your questions, your chats and, you know, have a safe, happy holiday season, everybody. And all I have to say is if this if if we accomplish this much in 2020, the year of unpredictability and uncertainty, you guys better watch out for what me and Mr. David Turner have going on in 2021. Make sure that you follow everything we're doing, NFLDraftBible.com and MaverickSportsConsulting.com. 
with all the services and information and education that we provide. Make sure you like, share, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can find me at Rise and Draft on Twitter and David at Mav underscore sports. Last but not least, we would also appreciate if you want to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to send us a review on Twitter, give a shout out to the show. We would generally appreciate it. Again, here from Maverick Sports Take Episode 20. We wish you all a happy holiday and we'll see you next week, same time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media. Share your thoughts on today's episode and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick.sportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.